Good morning. Our reading today is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. As has already been mentioned, my name is Matt Baker. I'm part of the leaders team here at St. John's and also part of the ministry team, hence preaching today. And we have been looking at this series of the Holy Spirit and particularly over the last few weeks, thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to particularly be concentrating today on two aspects, which are kindness and goodness. But let me just pray for us before we look into these verses. Heavenly Father, would you come by your Holy Spirit now and bring your word alive to us. Without your spirit at work in us, your word to us is dead. So would you come and breathe your spirit into us now, wherever we are, whether we're in the church or whether we're at home. Lord, would you come and make these words come alive that we may become more like Jesus as we look at this passage today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to speak uh, with, with three points uh, this morning. I'm going to talk about all in, all out, and all him. And they will come up on the screen as we go through this. But first of all, all in. I want to talk about these attributes, these characteristics of being Christians that we find here with the fruit of the Spirit. You see, notice that it says here that the fruit of the Spirit is, and then there's a list of nine different qualities. Very deliberate how it's written. The fruit is singular. The word chosen here is is, not are. My point is this. There is one fruit but with nine different characteristics. It's really important that we grasp that. We've been going through over these last few weeks thinking about different characteristics. We've been thinking about peace. We've been thinking about patience or forbearance. But we mustn't just pick and choose and say, well, I like that one, but not that one. As Christians, filled with the Holy Spirit, all of these are developing in us all of the time. In verse 19, the verses just before the ones that we had read out today, there's a, there's a whole list there of different acts, plural, acts of the, of the sinful nature or of the flesh. There's a list there of different ones, but this is just one fruit. Different, perhaps, to the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we touched on that one week in this series, and we will, I believe, look at it again in the future. But there, there, are, there are a whole list of gifts. There are probably two or three different lists, 20, 30 different gifts. And the point is there that no one person has all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Someone may have prophecy, someone may have the gift of tongues or interpreting tongues, someone else the gift of hospitality. 
The whole point there is that we are a body together. We need one another. We need to be in this together as team. But the fruit is different. One fruit with nine different characteristics. As an example of that, I have an apple. One fruit. Now this apple, this one fruit, you can see is a bit red, a bit green. Bear with me, I'm about to take a bite. Mmm. It's good. It's quite juicy. Bit of a crunch, I don't know if you can pick that up. It's a beautiful aroma of apple up here as well. I know that doesn't work at home. It's quite quenching of thirst. One piece of fruit, but four or five different attributes there. That's the point of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to eat all of it now. I'll save it to later. I came across somebody once when we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit a number of years ago. And this particular person listed eight of the fruit, eight of the characteristics of the fruit, missed out the ninth one. And I went, oh, you've missed one out there. You've missed out self-control. I don't really like that one. Hmm, doesn't really work like that, does it? You can't pick and choose. I like a bit of love, but self-control, well, we'll put that on the side. In fact, without self-control as one of these characteristics, how do the other ones really operate? How are we patient? So it's all night. All in. All of them are inside of us as Christians, all of them developing as part of the fruit. All in, and I'm not about to contradict myself, now all out. All out. We're all in, and also all out. Of these nine, you could simplify them, and it's slight oversimplification, but take the point, categorize them into three different blocks. The first three, Godward. Love, joy, peace. Very much about our relationship with God, that peace that we find with him. The next three are outward. Patience, we looked at it last week, is about how we are patient with other people. And then kindness and goodness, also very outward looking. And in subsequent weeks, we'll be looking at the inward ones to do with, with our relationship and what's going on inside of us. So these are most, without question, outward Both kindness and goodness are outward-looking. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's really important at the moment that we are kind to ourselves. In this pandemic, as well as looking after others, we need to be kind to ourselves as well. But the emphasis in this passage is the outward-looking nature of kindness and goodness. I was, at this point, going to show the John Lewis advert. Not allowed to do that because of licensing here with a, with a YouTube channel. But if you've not already seen it, well, spoiler alert, I encourage you to look at it. It's, it's a two-minute little video. I know we get every year, don't we, the, the John Lewis adverts. This year, it's been inspired by the acts of kindness that have gone on during the pandemic. And if you watch it, it starts with this, this little boy whose football gets caught up in a tree and this, this girl's passing and she sends up her umbrella in the shape of a heart and it knocks the ball down and, and then one thing goes on to another. 
but it's a whole list of acts of kindness, of love. The music that's playing in the background actually even starts with the word kindness in it. There's been lots, haven't there, of acts of kindness going on over the last few months, of people going out of their way for other people. Kindness and goodness, as we find them in Scripture, are very similar, and that's why they've been put together here, and that's why they've been put together in this preaching. They're very similar, not exactly the same, but similar. Sometimes in Scripture you find them interchangeable. Sometimes kindness is used, sometimes it's interpreted as goodness. But they're both expressing something that is done to other people. Kindness can be defined as showing goodness, generosity, And sympathy. There we find, in a definition of kindness, the word goodness. But I'm going to try to draw just a slight distinction between them and think of how we might apply that. Kindness, then, is having a kindly disposition towards others. A kindly disposition towards others, particularly with generosity and sympathy. When I was chatting this through with Helen this week, we both felt that with kindness, it's often unexpected, isn't it? It's kind of, oh, that was really kind, what that person did, that that phone call, that text. I I remember one year at Christmas, somebody came around and they baked us this Christmas cake. It was delightful. It looked fantastic. It tasted wonderful. This person has spent weeks getting this cake just right for us. Completely unexpected. And it was a real, ah, that is so kind that that person has done that. So so generous, unexpected. We, in our marriage, I think, have always experienced something of the generosity and the kindness of God. But never more so than in those first few months when we first got married. I was a student studying at Spurgeon's. Helen was working in in Basingstoke. We were living in Cholton. So she was getting uh, the train every day out there. We just got married. And I remember when we we sat down to work out our money side of things and and what we could afford and and, and getting a mortgage. And I remember going through it, starting off with, right, this is how much we give to God. This is our tithe. This is our 10%. But then after that, well, how much have we got for a mortgage? Well, we got that. We could live in that sort of house. And and as we went through it all, when we got to the bottom, we thought, goodness me, there's, there's not a lot left. In fact, it looks like there's more going out than there is coming in. How, how are we going to do that? Just to give it some context, the, the season ticket for Helen going out of London to Basingstoke every day on the train was as much as our mortgage was at the time. It was all going out. But the generosity of God at that time was incredible. Of course, displayed through other people, other Christians, other people that we knew. A lot of it was anonymous. I remember one time at the starter motor going on the car and uh, buying a second-hand starter motor and, and changing it once, and it still didn't work, changed it again, still didn't work. And then in the end, I thought, I'm going to just have to buy a new one. So I went and bought this £60, I think it was. That week, I got a phone call from somebody, from the administrator in the church that we were in at the time. Nobody knew that we had this problem with our starter motor, but I got this phone call. Um, oh, someone's made an anonymous donation, a gift to you, for £60. Ah, oh, covered the starter motor. I could go on and on about the different ways that we just experience that generosity, that kindness of God through other people, 
the one that really sticks in my mind is there was one time before we had children, Helen and I were sitting in the kitchen and we heard something come through the letterbox. It was a thud as something landed on the doormat. And I went to the door and there there was this, this envelope quite thick. And I brought it through into the kitchen. I sat with Helen and I opened it. I said, I think that there's some money in here. And I sat and counted out. I went, there's a lot of money in here. And soon my eyes began to fill with tears as I counted out in notes a thousand pounds that someone out of the kindness and generosity just thought, we want to give that to Matt and Helen. That more than covered the mortgage and Helen's season ticket for that month. That's something, and I've just taken monetary things, of the, of the generosity, the kindness of people. When I think about God, what's the, the most kind thing that God has ever done for us? Well, I think forgiveness is one of those. Isn't forgiveness kind? You see, the whole point about kindness is it's undeserved. I think that's the unexpected nature of it. I don't deserve to be forgiven, and yet if I get something wrong, when I sin, if I, if I let God down or let someone else down, I can go to God and be forgiven because of Jesus. I can have that slate wiped clean. Wow, what kindness that is from our Heavenly Father. So that's kindness. Goodness, as I say, is something very similar, I suggest. Whilst kindness could be defined as a kindly disposition towards others, goodness is a kindly activity on another's behalf. So it's doing something on another's behalf that's good. I don't know if kind of emotional expressions work, but you know, the, the kindness is more kind of, ah, oh, that's really nice. Goodness is kind of more of a, hmm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that, feels, that feels good. When uh, we had our first child, Ben, and he was a baby, there was a fire in our, uh, 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 sorry, the house wasn't on fire, there was a fire that kept us warm in our kitchen, uh, a gas fire. And after Ben was born, it gave off a lot of heat, and I thought, well, I want to stop him from getting burnt as he's crawling around, so we, we bought a fire guard and put it around the fire. So as he crawled around, he wouldn't get burnt. Now, it was a bit of a pain. It kind of stuck out into the room a little bit, and now and again I'd trip over it. Um, or, and when we came to decorate, it scraped the wall and that. But nevertheless, it stopped Ben from burning his fingers, and it stayed there for years for our subsequent children as well. Now, nobody ever came around and went and looked at it and went, Oh, that's kind. You didn't want your children's fingers to get burnt. Oh, what a kind thing to do. But several people went, oh, That's a good idea. Yeah, that's good. It was something we did on someone someone else's behalf that was a good thing to do. I don't know if that works for you. Let's think of a couple of scriptures on this. If we could put the first one up. Galatians 6, 9 to 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This harvest from the fruit, perhaps, that we've been talking about. It's, it's only a few verses on from what we've been looking at today. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and here it is in bold, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's do good to all people, especially our family, the family of believers. It's tough at the moment, I know, isn't it? As, as I look down a camera to you at home, and there's very few of us here in, in church, but we're, we're still family. 
We need to be doing acts of goodness to one another, looking out for one another. But of course, it isn't just about us as family. It's about all people. If we can put up the next verse, because here's the real challenge. Luke 6.35, Jesus speaking, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Love your enemies. Do good to them. I don't know if you know the story of a lady called Corrie ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch lady and during the Second World War, she and her family, uh, they were Christians, but they looked after a number of uh, Jewish men and women and children and hid them from, from the Nazis so that they could escape, so that they wouldn't be sent to a concentration camp or, or killed. Eventually, uh, Corrie Tengen Boom and what they were doing got discovered and she was arrested and she went into a concentration camp, as did her family and her, her sister. Uh, her sister died in the concentration camp, but Corrie Ten Boom lived through it. And not long after the war, 1947, a couple of years afterwards, she was speaking somewhere. And at the end of it, somebody came forward after she'd been speaking at this Christian event. And as this man approached her, she realized that this was one of the guards, one of the nastier guards that she remembered from the concentration camp. One of the guards that used to humiliate and, and, and really embarrass and was horrible to the ladies And as he came forward, she was standing there having just preached. And he reached out his hand to shake her hand to talk about the love of God to her or something, just to to, to respond to what she just said. And she said, standing there, I found it so incredibly difficult. Nothing in me really wanted to reach out to him because this was a man who had hated me whilst I was in this concentration camp. But she just felt as a Christian she needed to reach out as he held his hand out and shake that hand. And so she prayed and as she did it, she sensed the love of God just coming through her, changing her heart as she reached out to this man whose life had changed, he acknowledged that, but the man who had been part of that horrible regime. And she said, I couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit. There was nothing in me that wanted me to do this. It was the goodness of God working through her to love someone who'd been her enemy. I'm really challenged by that story and I think, wow, those people that I may not like, God calls me to be kind and good to everybody, not just those that are part of my family. Where do we find that most expressed in Scripture? Well, Romans 5 verse 8, if we can put that up. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to come back and say, oh, we got it all wrong. Will you kind of just give us another chance? He sent Jesus to die for us whilst we were still sinners. That's the kindness and the goodness of God, isn't it, expressed to us in Jesus. All in, all out, and finally, all him. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see all of these characteristics, these aspects of the fruit, expressed in Jesus, don't we? 
I love the cliff video, and I've watched it a couple of times this week as I've been preparing. I thought it was brilliant. In fact, nearly didn't need to preach, actually. There's so much in there. I could just watch that time and time again as it tells us about Jesus' love for Zacchaeus. I remember a preacher in my old church used to say that Jesus is the kindest person I know. And if you pick up your Bibles and look at some of the stories, there's kindness and goodness and, of course, all these other characteristics of the fruit coming out of Jesus all the time. The woman who was caught in adultery in John 8, how kind is Jesus to her in forgiving her when she was about to be stoned? The goodness of Jesus when he's in the temple And he overthrows the tables because he gets angry because this place that was supposed to be a place of prayer had been turned into a place of of thieves. And let's be clear here, being good can be tough. Being good can be tough at times. It's tough being a Christian, standing up for what is right and making that stance. I think it's the toughest thing in the world to be a Christian and to live this out. So there we see in Jesus the kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness to people who don't deserve it. People like you and me. Now Jesus isn't here today. Not literally standing here. Like he was with the disciples. With the disciples they had to go to Jesus to see kindness and goodness. But we as Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus went up into heaven and the Holy Spirit was then poured out into us and upon us at Pentecost, so now we, filled with the Holy Spirit, are able to follow Jesus, to live out the Holy Spirit inside of us by being kind and good to other people. Verse 25, where it talks about keep in step with the Spirit, can be translated as walk in line behind a leader. Walk in line behind a leader. We're walking in line behind Jesus who's shown us how to be kind and good. But we're walking in line with that leader of the Holy Spirit inside of us who wants to ooze out of us kindness and goodness. Let us follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit over the next few months, over the rest of our lives. And sometimes we'll get it wrong. One final example before I close. Only a couple of weeks ago, I was walking our dog in the park and I walked past this man sitting on a bench and he looked as if he was struggling a little bit and I felt a prompting to stop and just say, hi, how you doing? And I'm sad to say I ignored that prompting. I walked on with the dog And as soon as I walked past, I thought, I should have just stopped. I can't turn back now. What my excuses were, I don't know whether I thought I had a busy day. I walked on with the dog and I felt really bad. And I was praying about it. I said, I'm sorry, God, I just felt I should have stopped. And I didn't. So I prayed, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you give me another opportunity to, to talk to that man? I get another opportunity tomorrow when I walk past that same bench. And I walk past the bench the next day and he wasn't there. Eight, ten days on, this week as I'm preparing this, I walk past that same bench and the man was there. That's actually the kindness and goodness of God to me as well as this man. And I just stopped and I said, hello, we had a five-minute talk. I won't say what the conversation was about. It's not relevant for the point. But he seemed to appreciate someone just stopping at this time where we're all struggling and just having a conversation whilst he sat on the bench. 
Let me encourage you, let us encourage one another to follow those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Those acts of kindness and goodness, whether it's a conversation with a stranger, whether it's a text, a WhatsApp message, a phone call to someone in our fellowship, in our family. Whether it's being kind and good to someone who's not kind and good to you. And there's the challenge. But the point of this in being all him is we cannot do this in our own strength. Whilst I referred to the John Lewis advert earlier, which, was, which is brilliant, I do believe all the acts of kindness and goodness that are done by anybody, ultimately they come from God because we're all made in God's image. But I do think unless we have the Holy Spirit in us, unless we're connected to Jesus, that's going to run dry at some point. That's why we need to stay connected. We need to stay, stay close to him. That's how Corrie ten Boom could reach out that hand of friendship to that prison guard. She says it herself, I couldn't do it in my own strength, but I could do it because it was Jesus at work in me by his Holy Spirit. Friends, let's be all in with the fruit of the Spirit. Let's be all out with kindness and goodness at this time where it is so needed, not just building up to Christmas, but way beyond that. And let's be doing it all for him the one who sustains us, fills us with his Holy Spirit and enables us to love people. Amen.